Week six of the NFL season is in the books. You're listening to the Gridiron Authority podcast. My name's Keith Thornton. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. Mike, how was this week? Uh, it was a frustrating week on a lot of levels. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what are we going to cover in this episode? Uh, we're going to be going over the week six recap. We'll talk about some of the frustrations we mentioned uh, from an officiating standpoint, from a player performance uh, discuss some of the big trades that have that have happened. I mean, just recently. Uh, and then we'll be going over the week seven preview. So a lot of stuff to cover. All right, let's get right to it. All right, let's get started with some breaking news. We got moments ago, a trade has officially been put through. Jalen Ramsey from the Jags to the Rams and Marcus Peters from the Rams to the Ravens. Uh, Mike, what do we know about this, this trade? Uh, I mean, right now it looks like the the Rams gave up two first-round picks, a 2021st, a 2021st, and then a 2021 fourth-round pick to acquire uh, Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars. Uh, they also traded, like you said, they traded Marcus Peters to the Ravens. Uh, they got a linebacker and then an undisclosed 2020 draft pick for him in return. Um, and then you know, what a lot of people aren't talking about is they did put a keep to leave on IR. So you're filling some needs, I think, not as much as they really need to. I mean, they traded away Peters when I don't think they really actually had to. But, uh, I mean, it, it's a good trade from both sides. The Jaguars are stockpiling on draft picks now. Uh, probably not going to make the playoffs this season. They're kind of slipping a little bit, but um, I think this is a, a go big move for the Rams right now. I think they're desperate after losing, I believe, three straight games. Uh, they're going big right now and uh, obviously giving, a, giving up a lot to get Ramsey and, and see what happens. You know, it seems kind of like a weird trade to me when I'm looking at it from the outside. When you look at what they really did to their team, they I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Marcus Peters is on the same level Jalen Ramsey is, but Marcus Peters is a is a serviceable cornerback. For me, they're just you know they're upgrading that position and they're giving up just a ton of capital to do it. I mean, two firsts and a fourth—that's a lot. Um, and, and I don't know that Marcus Peters has been a problem with them. I mean, you look at Jared Goff playing bad. Some of the other things going on with that Rams team. I feel like this is a desperation move, and and I think Jalen Ramsey's a great fit on the team. I just don't know that it's worth what they gave up. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you were taught. I mean, really, because a a keep to leave went on IR, so you really only have Peters left. And now you trade Peters, and you know he's a two time Pro Bowl cornerback, twenty two starts with the Rams, had five interceptions. Um, I mean, he's he's an above even at this point, he's still an above average cornerback. And now, I mean, you're getting obviously an upgrade with Jalen Ramsey, but is it going to be that much of an upgrade to, to change it when you're still missing a keep to leave? You still need another corner on the other side. I think the trade would have been better had they not gotten rid of Marcus Peters, honestly. Uh, and you had Peters and Jalen Ramsey, but uh, I mean, for the, from the Jaguar standpoint though, it's I, to me, it's a great trade. Honestly, they're getting two first round picks. They're getting a fourth round pick. And now you also don't have to spend that. You don't have to use all that money to sign Jalen Ramsey to a contract because you know he was good. He wasn't going to sign a contract unless he was the number one paid cornerback in the NFL. Uh, and honestly, he probably would have wanted you know receiver style money or position you know skill position money. Um, so I, I think he's going to want a massive contract. So now the Jaguars are saving on that. They gained two first round picks. 
uh, and they gained a fourth round pick. I think it's a huge win for the for the Jaguars. I think it's a huge gamble for the Rams. That I I don't think like I don't think it takes them. You know, I don't think it makes them that much better. Honestly, I think it makes them better, but I think it just slightly. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm at with this. And and you know the other thing it does good for the Jags is it gets rid of the distraction. I mean. You know, they, they've been saying that Jalen Ramsey's been sitting out because of a back injury, but let's be completely honest. He he demanded a trade, then he was gone for his, his kid being born, then he had a leg injury, then a back injury, and he's been hobbled the last few weeks, and now all of a sudden he's traded and he's expected to play. So I'm not saying that he was – this is like a, a silent protest, but I don't think he was going to play for a few more weeks if he stayed in Jacksonville. So they really didn't lose anything, and they gained a bunch. I mean, like I said, huge, huge win for the Jaguars, I think, regardless of what happened. Even if the Rams go to the Super Bowl again or or go make a deep playoff run, it's still another first round pick for the Jaguars this year. And it's still another first round pick next year. Um, so, I, again, a huge win for them. I think it's a big win for the Ravens. I think getting they've had with Jimmy Smith out, uh, some other cornerbacks and secondary members banged up quite a bit. I think it's a big win. Uh, for the Ravens to to get someone of of Marcus Peters caliber. Now you put him back there with Earl Thomas. I think Earl Thomas can can coach him and keep him you know uh, under control a little bit um, more so than any other safety that that Peters has played with. So I think Peters going to Baltimore is actually good for both of the you know for Peters and for the Ravens. So uh, I think a big win for the Ravens, big win for Jaguars, huge gamble for the Rams. Absolutely. So some other breaking news we just got. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has been named the starter in Tennessee. Marcus Mariota, the second overall pick, has been benched. Um, he wasn't having a terrible season at seven touchdowns, two picks. I don't know that he's been the Titans' problem, uh, but they're going. They're going to roll with Tannehill. See if he brings a spark to that. What do you What do you think about this move? Yeah, I mean it, it is interesting. Again, I, like you said, I don't believe Tannehill is the problem, or uh, Mariota is the problem. Um, I think he's played well enough to win some of those games. He does tend to hold on to the ball um, a little longer than he should. Uh, I believe he had one play. He got, I mean, they. I think they only brought one pass rusher and he held on to the ball so long that he still got sacked uh, or he got pressured at least. Um, so, I mean, he does hold on to the ball, but um, I, I don't mind the move though, because I think getting Tannehill in there, it could be, you know, some fresh blood, some new energy, uh, maybe revitalize the offense a little bit. Um, until he gets hurt, at least he does have those injury issues. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's a, a season saving move, but I think it's a, I think it's kind of more of a desperation move to just try something, you know, don't stay stagnant, do something, change something up and see if it works. And I say this every time this happens, but if you're Mike Vrabel at this point, you've got to stick with Ryan Tannehill now for the rest of the season. As soon as you start flipping back and forth, like the, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston last year, you start flipping back and forth between quarterbacks week to week. That's the quickest way to get yourself fired. Um, if you bench Marcus Mariota when your team's, you know, they're not, they're, they're an average team right now. They're not a great team. They've got a decent defense, a decent run game. Um, if Tannehill doesn't work out, I think he can survive the coach if you go through the entire season. But if you start flipping back and forth between Mariota and Tannehill, and neither one of them get rolling, you can put Mike Vrabel right on the hot seat. 
Yeah, for for sure. And and again, I don't think it's I don't think it's 100 percent on Marcus Mariota that they're not winning Um, the entire time Mariota has been there. He's never really had a legit number one receiver. Most of the receiver his most of his number one receivers have been really skill wise, number two or number three receivers. Um, so I, I, to me, it's, it's on the front office a lot because they've never really put the weapons around, uh, Mariota that he needs to actually succeed. You know, they want him to put up all these flashy passing numbers, but they haven't actually given him anyone to throw the ball to, um, outside of Delaney Walker, really. Um, so I I don't put this all on Marcus Mariota, but like you said, I believe at least for the foreseeable future, the next three, four five games, you got to stick with Tannehill and unless he's just, I mean, if he comes out and throws for a hundred yards in a game and four interceptions, you may, you may want to switch back. But um, if he plays at least adequately, I think you got to stick with him for at least the next four or five games now. Well, even if Mariota's career with the Titans is over, we'll still have that memory of going to the playoff game against the Chiefs where he catches his own touchdown pass. I'm still haunted to this day from that. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of, <laughs> lot of bad memories with that. Yeah, yeah. Good riddance. No, I'm just kidding. I like Mariota. I hope he I hope he bounces back and lands somewhere. For sure. All right, so let's get to some of the frustrations. And we're not just talking about how bad our teams performed on the college and the pro level this week, but we're going to talk about the officiating in the NFL. Uh, you know, it's happened a couple times this year where we've just had weeks with terrible officiating. I think at this point, it's no longer coincidence. There is something going on with the officiating in the NFL. Um, obviously, the headline grabber is the Lions-Packers game last night where the, the, basically the Packers were gifted some invisible phantom hands-to-the-face calls that walked them down the field into the scoring position twice and basically won them the football game. There's also questionable calls in the Chiefs-Texans game where they originally called pass interference, and then after you know the Chiefs get up on the ball and are ready to run the next play, and all of a sudden they run out and say, "Oh, never mind, that wasn't pass interference," uh, and then overturned it themselves with no with no challenge flag ever being called. Um, what did you think of the the officiating this week? I I mean, it to me it was it was garbage. Um, I and and I understand people the referees are human; they make mistakes, but what really gets me is the fact that they, they haven't, they won't actually admit that they make mistakes. Um, you know, when they, we, you brought up the, the Trey flowers, you know, phantom hands to the face calls, um, in the, in the Detroit green Bay game, um, a penalty he'd never been called for his entire career and clearly did not put hands to the face. It was clean plays. They completely missed the call. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. And, you know, the response after the game was, well, you know, someone saw it, so it must have happened. And they 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 just they won't admit their mistakes. And that's to me, that's the most frustrating thing is they won't just come out and say, hey, listen, we messed up. We we missed a call or we made a bad call, uh, you know, our bad, our mistake, our fault. We're human. It happens. I could get behind that. I understand that um, people mess up at their jobs all the time. Um, but the fact that they, they won't admit it and it's costing people, it's costing teams games. Um, it's costing players money because now the players are speaking out on it and you know, they're going to get fined for it. So it's costing the players money. Uh, and eventually by season's end, it's going to be costing people jobs and there's no repercussions to the refs. The refs don't get fined. There's, you know, they don't get fined. They don't get suspended. They don't get fired, uh, for missing these calls. Um, they just move on to the next one and and they do it again. And then they move to the next week and they do it again. Uh, 
and so that's the most frustrating thing is there there's no repercussions for the refs there's no um you know there's no just you know owning up to the mistake there's nothing uh and as a fan that's that's the most frustrating thing as a player and a coach I mean, it would drive me insane. Uh, I mean, I'm a I'm a guy. Even when I play rec league sports, I mean, I hound the refs. I hound them, and <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> Anyone that's ever played a rec league sport with me knows, like, I hound the refs, uh, ref, you know, referees, umpires, whoever it is. And that's not for that's not for my job, or that's not for money. That's just for fun. And I still hound them. I can't imagine what I would do if you're talking about potentially costing me my job, whether I'm a player or I'm a coach or whatever, or you're talking about costing me tens of thousands of dollars because I'm going to criticize you. And yet you can come out and you, you know, again, you can cost all, you can cost me all this, but nothing's going to happen to you again. You just move on and, and, you know, no big deal. And, and so that, again, that's the most frustrating thing. And, and like you said, some of the things they're doing with, you know, in the chiefs game, when they come out and they just say, Oh, well, never mind, You know, we changed the call. Don't worry about it. You know, don't question it. Uh, well, the you know, frustrating part about that was their explanation didn't even make any sense. They said, uh, couldn't be pass interference because the ball was already in the air and he wasn't the receiver catching the football. If anything else, then if that were the case, then it would be defensive holding at minimum. But when you look at it, he had Mahomes had the ball in his hand. And what they don't understanding is that replay doesn't lie. And when they sit there and they talk about, you know, the phantom hands in the face, well, it must have happened. Well, clearly it did not. I mean, we can all see that it did not. We could see that Mahomes had the ball in his hand and he hadn't thrown it yet when they tackled Kelsey to the ground. So these yeah. excuses that keep making up aren't even legit excuses, yet the NFL still backs them. Well, and then, uh, and I can't think of the player's name, but the the Detroit safety that got called for, I think it was Wilkins, got called for uh, unnecessary roughness on, I believe, Allison. And it was, you know, they were both going for the ball and their helmets collided and they called it an unnecessary roughness. And the ref after the game said even had uh, Wilkins intercepted the ball, they still would have called unnecessary roughness because, you know, basically because just because. And it's, you know, uh, NFL rules clearly state that the defender has as much right to go after the ball as the receiver does. So uh, if they're both going for the ball and they happen to collide with each other, to me, there's it's a no penalty. It, you, you can't call that because they're both going for the ball. Um, you know, it, it, to me, it would, it would be like the the receiver tackling the defender and then them calling uh, pass interference on the defender because by allowing him to get tackled, he didn't allow the receiver to catch the ball. You know, uh, it, it was it was a stupid call. It was a stupid play uh, early in the second half. I think it was on the first possession of the the third quarter. Um, and I mean, it, it really kind of swung a little bit of momentum toward the Packers. And and again, you know, the safety, uh, like I said, I believe it's Wilkins, um, but he's going to get fined probably 10, 20, 30 thousand dollars for criticizing the refs because he went off on the ref after the game. Uh, he what he he didn't lie about it. He didn't hold back. And, uh, and again, there, nothing's going to happen to the ref. Uh, and so again, that's, it's, it's super frustrating for me. It's, it's frustrating as a fan. Um, and again, like I said, I can't imagine how frustrating it is for the players and stuff because it's, it just ruins the game whenever you can't even trust, uh, when you can't trust the, the refs to call a clean game, even at the end of the Dallas, uh, New York game, I think there was on the, the last possession for the Cowboys between the Cowboys and jets, there were penalties on six or seven consecutive plays 
Um, and some of them, it was, you know, two or three of them on the Jets, two or three of them on the Cowboys. And it, I mean, it, it made the game so hard to watch. And I love football. I love everything about football, except for the officiating because they're garbage. Well, and the crazy part, just like you were saying, the Chiefs-Texans game, I think the Chiefs had seven penalties in the first quarter. And then it wasn't just on the Chiefs. There was like 30 penalties in the game on both teams. And it was almost unbearable to watch because every play there was a flag. Uh, well, it was, I think there was probably at least 10 defensive holding penalties on both sides of the ball through the game. And it's like, uh, you know, it's one of those things that we talk about all the time. They say holding happens every single play on both sides of the football. It's just whether it's called or not. Well, the referees, I think what happened, and, and this is just a wild theory of mine here, is they got, I think the refs got offended when they made their judgment calls be able to be reviewed on the pass interference. Because basically people were saying, we don't trust the refs. We want to be able to challenge. And you're seeing it because, you know, people are throwing flags on something that's blatantly pass interference that wasn't called or vice versa. And the refs are just upholding it. They're not changing it. They, I think they literally are like, our judgment's final. You can go ahead and challenge it, but we're not going to go ahead and overturn it. So it's really frustrating because, you know, when it's a fumble, you throw the challenge flag and you can see it clearly on the video. You're like, okay, it's going to be overturned. But this one, it doesn't matter. Whatever they call in the field seems to stand every single time. Yeah, and it's and like you said, it's. it's it, I don't think you're the only one that believes that. It's uh, they're letting they're letting their emotions get in the way. I believe, and I think they're letting their arrogance get in the way and their ego get in the way. And, and they're not, like you said, they're not. Uh, they're not allowing themselves to be proven wrong. And even whenever, even whenever they are proven wrong, they say, "Well, you know, that's what we thought, so we're right." doesn't matter um i mean it, it it's it's incredibly frustrating well here's the good thing about this podcast we answer to nobody so we can criticize the refs all we want so i'm going to say this and, and i don't think that this is necessarily happening but the way that they're officiating right now is giving off the vibe that they are influencing games and by they i don't know who that is i mean when you're talking about the chiefs and the texans game somebody's buzzing down to one of the referees and telling them to change the penalty who is that? Is it New York? Is it somebody in the press box? Who's doing that? And when you look at it from an outside outside perspective, because everyone's going to think that their team's getting you know a, the a unfair treatment from the refs. When you look at it from an outsider's perspective, it looks like the NFL is steering games the way they want them to go. Uh, Packers hosting Monday Night Football, Lambeau Field, two fourth downs, both extended by phantom penalties. It just looks really bad on the NFL and. Like you said, all these players, they can't really say much. They can they can say, oh, referees are bad, but it just gets swept under the rug and they get fined. Um, I'm here to say that, you know, everyone's talking about CTE ending the football is the way it is. And people are saying that, you know, the political protests can end football. I think what's going to end up ruining football is how bad this officiating is. It almost makes it unbearable to watch. And, and, and like, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfair for the players. It's unfair for fans and, and not taking, I mean, like you said, everyone believes their, their teams get, you know, pen, you know, there's a penalty committed against their team on every single play. Everyone believes that. And, but even watching the end of the Cowboys jets game, I'm a huge Cowboys fan. And some of the penalties that they called on the jets, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I was happy to see them because it helped extend drives and, and whatnot, but at the same time, I was like, that's that's not a penalty like that. That should not have been called. 
Um, I'm not one. I mean, obviously, I want my team to win, but I want them to win because they're better, not because they got a cheap call or not, be, you know, what? Not because the refs messed up. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure Rams fans. Hey, yeah, we're happy that that the Rams went to the Super Bowl last year. But you know what? I would have liked to have seen the Rams go to the Super Bowl. And this is if I'm a Rams fan. Uh, but it's like I would have liked to have seen the Rams go to the Super Bowl on a on a not blatant pass interference call that the refs clearly messed up. And, and a lot of refs still haven't even admitted to that mess up. It's still like, a, oh, well, you know, it's a judgment call. You know, it was, it was in, in real time. It was it was pretty close. Um, well, I feel like if they challenged that this year, they wouldn't yeah. have overturned it. They'd have been like, yeah, still pass interference or not pass interference. And they probably would have just said, oh, it's an uncatchable ball, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, uh, so, you know, let's talk about this. This is this is going to be our gridiron authority ways to fix officiating. I think the first thing is you got to make every penalty reviewable within the coach's challenges. And I talked about this in the preseason. So another thing that's happening, you get – Pass interference can be challenged, but if the ref doesn't want it to be challenged, they can just say defensive holding in the end zone. Can't be challenged because it's not pass interference. So when you look at all the stuff, hands in a face, that should be something that can absolutely be reviewed because it, you know, it's either it happened or it didn't, you know, one of those things. Uh, and, you know, the, the, one of the things they say, the reason that you can only do it twice a game and only pass interference is because it'll slow the game down. Well, if it's within your coach's challenges, I don't see any problem challenging anything. Um, that's one of the things I think you could do to help is make it to where everything can be challenged. But then the other thing is you got to have somebody that's not them looking at the video because they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, definitely was hands in the face, even though it didn't happen. So you need some kind of outside party. Then it comes to this. And we talked about this off air. Um, if I'm a referee and I say that was hands to the face and the coach challenges it, and they look at the tape and I say, yeah, it was hands to the face, even though it wasn't. I should be penalized, whether it's a one-game suspension or a fine. Um, like you said earlier, these referees have no repercussions for what they do. They can completely throw a game for somebody like they did Monday night, and they face nothing. As a matter of fact, they get defended. And then every time the playoffs roll around, it's supposed to be that the best officiating crews go to the playoffs in the Super Bowl. But it seems to be those those ref crews that throw the most flags and are the most criticized, they always end up in the playoffs. So there's literally no penalties whatsoever. And that needs to change. And, and, and talking about the repercussions, I mean, it's, it's one, I mean, where can you blatantly mess up your job and, and cost someone potentially their job or cost someone money and, and not be reprimanded in, in some, in some fashion, like you said, it could be, it could be a fine. It could be a suspension. It could be losing your job, uh, you know, because that's what they're that's what they're putting these people into. They're putting these coaches into positions where they could lose their job by the end of the season if this happens enough. Or these players are losing tens of thousands of dollars because the refs are messing up and it's causing the the players to to be vocal about it, you know, and and yet nothing's happening to the refs. So I think to me the number one way to fix it is to penalize the refs in, in some fashion. Um, I mean, it could be a, Hey, you know what? You blatantly missed this call, uh, or you blatantly missed five calls in this game. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna penalize you $5,000 or we're going to suspend you for the next two games. Um, or put them on a grading system. I talked about this off air, have them on a grading scale. And if they don't match, if they don't, if they don't hit the minimum grade on that grading scale, guess what? You don't have a job next year. 
there's plenty of college yeah. officials. There's plenty of officials and training programs that they could bring in. If, if we're not going to get good officials anyways that are going to do a good job, you might as well rotate them all in and out, and maybe eventually you'll find some good refs. Um, because keeping, I think that's especially true. I I like your suspension idea. And I think it's, you know, on a field, it happens so fast. We can look at it under a microscope, uh, when we're looking at it in super slow-mo, sometimes I get, you might see, uh, offensive lineman throw his head back, think, Oh, he must've got hands to the face. They throw a penalty, but if they go to a review and look at it and look at the the thing and you still call it, then you're gone. I, I, I feel like you should be fired because, you know, it's, it's cut and dry pass interference. That's questionable, but something like that, which you can't even review now, but if you could, same thing with the Travis Kelsey, uh, offensive pass or defensive pass interference, that was just magically disappeared. If you've blown something that bad, there should be serious repercussions because not only like you said, are you costing the players, the coaches, the fans, uh, you're costing people money, gambling fantasy. I know that doesn't really weight that much into it, but you're, you're affecting a wide array of people and basically you can just do whatever you want. If you're, you're not saying once again, point shavings, that's a serious accusation, but if a ref's playing fantasy, who knows? I mean, what if they, what if they have uh, the Texans defense and they're like, Oh, that was a pick. Let's just reverse this call. Like I have no idea what's happening there, but they need to be held accountable. And the biggest one, I mean, talking about challenging, you know, allowing the coaches to challenge every play, you give the you give the coaches two challenges and you're saying you can't challenge all this stuff because it slows the game down. Well, if they have two challenges, they have two challenges. It means you're allowing it means you're you're okay with them doing two challenges. So what's it matter what what they actually challenge? And I think it could um, speed the game up because if I'm a coach uh, and and I would take away the two minute rule with the penalties because they can't stop every play inside two minutes and look at the penalty. And the coaches technically can't challenge during the two minutes. So I think that when it's a penalty, the coaches should still have to challenge even within the two minutes. Uh, so I think it could speed it up because if there's a an incomplete pass for a first down, I'm going to hold on to my challenge flag because I'm going to want that later if there's a blown uh, penalty call. So there's going to be less challenges during the regular part and more during the two minutes. But I think it could actually speed the game up. Oh, and, and, and the biggest penalty, honestly, I mean, you've talked about a lot of them. But the biggest penalty I I want to see made challengeable, honestly, is roughing the passer. I mean, good God, Clay Matthews can't step on a football field without getting a roughing the passer penalty. Uh, I mean, the guy yeah. every every time every time he sneezes at a quarterback, he gets called for a roughing the passer call. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have to be playing in a game; he could be on a bye week and he still gets called for a roughing the passer call. Uh, well, I the mean, stupidest it, penalty it's in the game insane. is that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm all for protecting the quarterback, but um, you can smash a quarterback into the ground. You can grab him around the waist and slam him into the ground, but you can't literally touch his head with your hand. I've seen so many where they're reaching up, trying to deflect the football. They just come down and barely graze the quarterback's head, and it's a penalty. I even saw one against Dak Prescott the other a couple. I don't know if it was last week, but where just barely touched his face and they called roughing the passer. And, and at that point, Dak Prescott was running the football. He wasn't even a passer at that point. He was a he was basically running the football and got touched in the helmet and it was a roughing the passer. And like you said, that should be able to the coach throws a challenge down, says he clearly didn't forcefully hit the quarterback in the head. It's not a penalty. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, and, and, and all those Clay Matthew ones. And again, I'm not, I'm not a Rams fan. I'm not a Clay Matthews fan. This is just me as a football fan. Like those, those penalties against that guy are ridiculous. And and you brought up the Dak Prescott one and I know what player you're talking about. Uh, and, and yeah, as a Cowboys fan, I thought that was a stupid penalty. Um, I mean, I want to see my, I don't want to see my team win because of bad officiating. I want to see my team win because we're the better team. Absolutely. Uh, and and I understand, like I said early at the at the beginning of this of these rants, uh, you know, I, referees are human beings. They make mistakes. I understand that everyone messes up at their job. They're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect at my job. Uh, no one's perfect at their job. I, I get that. But whenever they're they're messing up and then again, they refuse to accept it and then they get protected by the league. The league defends them. Um, that's what that's what, you know frankly you know upsets me and makes me mad uh and and makes me just say you know what maybe i'll just watch college football next week uh because this is a little too much sometimes (laughs) you know why can't it be you know obviously the aaf or whatever it was didn't last but they had what i thought was a great feature is the eye in the sky so what happens is you have the they already have the camera floating above the players anyway there should be somebody sitting in the booth that actually has access to real time video that these referees can't that if it's, you know, roughing the passer, they can look at the video and be like, Nope, not roughing the passer. They don't even have to stop the game. They can just buzz it down. The referee say, Nope, not roughing the passer before he even calls it. And they can lift the flag up. Same thing with pass interference or any of that stuff. These there's somebody, we have all these camera angles that we can actually see the plays better than the referees. So why can't there be somebody in the booth? Just one guy that's watching the, the tape, and when the referee throws a flag for hands in the face, they can watch the replay. Before the referee even announces it, he can buzz down and say, you need to pick the flag up. That wasn't hands to the face. Problem solved. They look great because they are calling it correctly. People will understand if they throw a flag and then they pick it up because there was, you know, it wasn't a flag. And they have all the technology there to do it, yet they just don't. I mean... We literally can see before the referees even call the penalty, we know whether it's actually a penalty or not because we've seen the replay. Why can't they use that to their advantage? And and I, again, I feel like that's an, an ego thing. I feel like that's the NFL saying we don't trust our referees. Uh, we're, we're questioning their ability to do their job. And, and when they do that, I think that puts into question the NFL in itself. And I don't think the NFL or the referees – you know, will allow that to happen. Honestly, they, that's a, no. again, that that's an, it's an ego shot to, to both of them. And really and, when you're comparing it, it's the robo umps and baseball all over again. There's really no need for an umpire. I mean, they've got a box there. It tells you whether it's a strike or a, you know, a yeah. ball and it works, but they don't want to take the umps out of the game because it's part of history, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Basically, and, and, basically they think, you know, even though I mess up, I'm part of the game and I should be allowed to mess up in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's not going to change anytime soon. Honestly, it'll probably, you know, a few weeks ago when Tom Brady criticized all the, the pass interference calls on the the Thursday night game on Sunday, they dropped dramatically, uh, you know, but then now the penalties have gone right back up after a couple of weeks. So, uh, I mean, all this complaining from fans and players and media will, you know, penalties will probably magically go down for a week, but then they'll shoot right back up. So, so it's what the you're saying is save us, Tom Brady. You're our only hope. <laughs> as, as, as much as everyone may hate Tom Brady, he he is uh, he's our Luke Skywalker. Well, right and, and really, when you think about it, that's probably one of the worst parts to me is 
you'll have a guy like uh, Dak Prescott or somebody who gets absolutely smashed in the backfield. They may not call the penalty, but if that were somebody like a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning when he played or Aaron Rodgers, the referees don't miss it. They call it every time. And a lot of times Tom Brady will hop up and say, hey, that was a penalty. And then they'll pull the flag out and throw it. Yeah, so I mean, clearly it's, there's some favoritism in the league. I mean, and I know we went through it a few years back with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was yeah. getting lit up in the pocket and just getting absolutely decimated and no penalties are ever called because he's a running quarterback. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's on, on some of that. I mean, it's especially to me, it seems like with Aaron Rodgers a lot. Um, I mean, it seems like they, like the play will happen and the referees look back and he's on the ground and they just assume it was a, a late hit or a roughing the passer and they just throw the penalty. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but like I said, it's not going to change anytime soon because they're not going to allow it to change. They're not going to they're not going to allow themselves to be proven wrong. So, um, I mean, we'll just have to keep dealing with it, I guess. For sure. All right. So now let's get on to the second part of the frustration. We call this segment the week six recap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't go well for our teams this week, but we'll get to those later. Uh, let's start with Thursday night football. Giants, Patriots. Uh, we kind of everyone kind of saw this coming. The Patriots defense is so good. Uh, they won 35-14. What do you think of this game? I mean, it for the most part, it went how we all thought it would. I mean, the Patriots dominated the game, really. I mean, the Giants made a little a little push in the second quarter, actually tied up the game um, at 14. And then the Patriots, you know, 21 unanswered points the rest of the game. So, uh, I mean, the the Giants, even when they're healthy, they still probably would have lost this by at least 10 points. Um, but when you're missing, you know, uh, you're missing your tight end, your number one receiver, your running back, uh, and, and multiple other players. Uh, I mean, they just didn't have the talent to compete with the Patriots. So, um, I mean, another win for the Patriots, you know, another, you know, just developmental game for the Giants, honestly. Yep. All right, so let's go to uh, what we thought was going to be a little bit closer, but Panthers, Bucks. Um, Panthers looked really good. Christian McCaffrey, the Bucks held him to to not very much yardage, but he did have two touchdowns. But the real storyline of this game was Jameis Winston just absolutely imploding. Uh, started rough on the season, really was having a great season. I know you were a fan of what he's been doing this season up till today or up till Sunday, but he had five interceptions and a fumble in this game. What do you think? I mean, part of it, I, I do believe, was him imploding. And part of it, I think it was just the pressure the Panthers put on him. Uh, they sacked him seven times. They hit him another 12 times. Uh, I mean, he was, uh, I think he did, uh, he had 54 passing attempts and dropped back, you know, about 75 times total and was hit 20 of them. Um, so I think, it, I, I think just all those hits, uh, all that, all that pressure he had was just making it, it was bad decision making, bad throws. Um, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a great defensive game by the Panthers, um, uh, and that that affected Jameis Winston's play. I don't believe he played as bad as his stats show. Um, like I said, I think it was the pressure that getting to him. Uh, anyone that gets sacked seven times in a game and gets hit another twelve times, I mean, it's going to cause you to to pull the trigger a little earlier to force some bad throws in there. So. A uh, great defensive game by the by the Panthers, though. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so let's jump around and go to the Saints versus the Jags. Uh, we've been talking about Teddy Bridgewater filling in, and another win for him. Uh, it wasn't super impressive, 240 yards and a touchdown. They won 13-6 over the Jags. What do you think? I mean, uh, it's an, it's another one. So I, I heard a report about Tom or uh, Drew Brees, sorry, um, already throwing footballs and, and trying to inch closer to coming back at this point. I think you let them kind of sit out. I think their bye week is. I think they got this game this upcoming week, and then a bye week. If I if I'm thinking right, uh, or maybe it's a bye week this week, and then they come back. But whatever it is, it's. I would let them set out until at least the after the bye week, honestly, because Bridgewater is clearly not affecting the team. Uh, I think they're four and zero with him as their quarterback. Um, he's the defense is playing great right now. They're running the ball well. Uh, I mean, they're, they're winning the games. They may not be pretty games, but they're winning. And so at this point, I'd say just let Drew Brees get as healthy as he can possibly be uh, um, and, and then bring him back. There there shouldn't be a rush to bring him back, honestly. Uh, Bridgewater's playing well enough. Yeah, I know moment. your threshold for him. You said you'd like to see him be three and three while Brees is gone. He's already won four. So, uh, yeah, he's got a little bit of room there. Uh, yeah, and, and honestly, it's it's phenomenal to see. I mean, who, how do you not root for Teddy Bridgewater with everything he's been through? And, and for me personally, all I'm thinking seeing this is, uh, you know, two things is one, if Drew Brees does retire after this season with, with, with his age, that's a possibility obviously is the saints have their quarterback already. They have their replacement. Um, and two, if, if Brees does come back for next year, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to make a ton of money somewhere else because, I mean, four as a quarterback playing great football. Um, I mean, in the games he needs to put up the numbers, he's put up the numbers. In the games where he needs to kind of be that conservative game management quarterback, he's done that as well. Um, he's done stuff to win his team the games, and he's done absolutely nothing to lose his teams the game. Um, so, I mean, he he's made a lot of money. Titans right now. might be calling. We'll see for sure. <laughs> All right, so let's go look at the Ravens versus the Bengals, uh, a game that I personally thought the Ravens would handle more. Uh, the the big thing that jumped out to me in this game, the Ravens win at 23-17, but the thing that jumped out was Lamar Jackson's essentially going back to his running back-like ways of last year. He threw for 236 yards, no touchdowns, so a very pedestrian day, but 19 carries for 152 yards and a touchdown on the ground, so He's literally getting a bigger workload than Todd Gurley is for the Rams right now. What do you think about this one? I mean, they, I think they used him how he should be used. Um, again, I don't think he needs to throw for 300 yards a game. I think even though he didn't throw for, for any touchdowns, I thought he threw the ball well. Um, I mean, he had a solid completion percentage, completed over 60% of his passes, uh, obviously ran the ball tremendously well. Um, I mean, to me, the, really no critiquing his performance because uh at the end of the day i mean he put up 388 yards of offense and a touchdown uh and his team won so uh i mean you can't really critique him at that point uh he he played the type of game that he should be playing um i I, i'm with you i think that the the ravens should have won it by by a little bit more but uh i mean you know the the Bengals. I mean, if you really look at them, I mean, they've had a couple games where they've been blown out, but they've also had a you know a, a few of their losses have been really close games. Um, I mean, I don't. They're zero and six, but I don't believe they're as bad as an zero. And I don't think they're 
in that Dolphins Redskins territory. I think they're a significantly better team than the Dolphins and the Redskins. I think injuries have played into it and then just kind of bad luck has played into it, honestly. Um, but I mean, it's a good, good game for, for the Ravens. Good game for Lamar Jackson. All right. So let's take a look at a game. I know we had our eyes on this week. Uh, Seahawks versus the Browns. Uh, the Browns jumped up really big, but Russell Wilson brings them back. 32, 28 Seahawks win. What'd you think of this one? Uh, I think Baker Mayfield kept staring receivers down. Uh, (laughs) Same thing, different week, right? Yeah. I mean, he threw three interceptions, one touchdown, uh, uh, 250 yards. I mean, Nick Chubb ran the ball pretty well. Uh, Baker Mayfield actually ran for 30 yards, but I mean, he's, he's still doing the same stuff. He's still staring receivers down. Um, I mean, they did the one thing I think they, they did that I, I liked was they got Odell Beckham involved, um, more so than he has been the last two or three games. Uh, he had over a hundred yards receiving, um, and, uh, Mayfield actually spread the ball out pretty decently, but again, he, he just, he stares his receivers down so much and it doesn't seem like they either it doesn't seem like he notices it or the coaches notice it or or I don't know what it is or they just don't care um they just think that they can fix it um or that not everyone's going to pick up on it or I don't know what their issue is but um again he just he keeps staring the receivers down and throwing all these interceptions and and how they're not fixing it I'm not sure um and it's frustrating to watch Baker Mayfield in the post game. I mean, you you said it. He threw three picks, staring receivers down. And what's he do? Uh, he comes out and complains about the referees in the game. It's like take some accountability for yourself, and you know, go out and play the game. And I think that you know, I, I watched some Sunday NFL countdown where they talked about this too. But Rex Ryan saying it, he's he's a basically you need to treat him like a rookie quarterback. Because he's only his second year, and he isn't even. In, this is his first full year of starting, so uh, they're treating him like he's a veteran. Like go out there and win as the game, even though he doesn't have to. Um, he needs to be treated like a rookie quarterback. But Freddie Kitchens is not doing that. Freddie Kitchens is handing the reins like he's Peyton Manning out there, and they need to kind of bring it back. And you know, a rookie quarterback shouldn't be going and making tight throws. You know, get your checkdowns. And the other problem was they didn't have any checkdowns. The the route design was so bad that all of his receivers are going deep and there were no checkdowns. Uh, Rex Ryan broke down the video really good. I, if, if you get a chance, go out and look at what he did. But he showed that they're, they're not getting the running backs out, whether they're keeping them in to help block or they're making the running backs do other things. There are no checkdowns in this offense, and that's squarely on Freddie Kitchens. It's a bad scheme. Uh, when you got a, a quarterback for all intents and purposes, it should be playing like a rookie quarterback, but it doesn't have any checkdowns. It's impossible. And 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 obviously we did our fair share of complaining about the refs earlier in the episode. Um, but like we said about the refs, be accountable. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield needs to be accountable. Um, and, and not to take anything away, I mean, the, the, the Seahawks played phenomenal. Russell Wilson played a great game. Uh, Chris Carson had another great game. Uh, defense, you know, they, the, the defense started slow, but once they got going, uh, I mean, it was, it was done. I mean, they gave up 20 first half points, but only eight in the second half. Um, so, I mean, the defense played well overall, um, the offense played tremendous. Um, it's just, yeah, like you said, Freddie, Freddie kitchens, I, I still can't understand how he got the the head coaching job. I mean, I, 
I, I know that he gets along with Baker Mayfield and he gets along with all these guys, but it's, you know, he didn't even have a full season as an offensive coordinator and, and as an offensive coordinator uh, on that team. And, and we're seeing that, like you said, the, the play design is terrible. It's, I mean, it's, I think someone sitting in their basement could sit there and come up with a better offense than that. I could sit here and doodle plays and have, you know, better plays than that. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it's it's bad from from top to bottom. I mean, the players aren't playing well. The coaches aren't coaching well. Uh, I mean, there's nothing going well going well about that team. Going good about the team. So, and the the, the worst part for them is their schedule gets dramatically tougher here for a little bit. So, um, they needed more wins out of this season than they have right now um, to make a playoff push. So, th- they're going to get some uh, some tough games coming up. The, the scary thing too is that you know they're two and four right now, but they're zero and three at home. I mean, they haven't won a single home game this year. Um, wh- I mean, which is is crazy. I mean, they actually have a winning record on on the road and and winless at home, which I, I don't know how that happens, honestly. But yeah. So one thing I also took from this game, and I think he's you know he's having a great season. No one's really talking about him too much. To me, Russell Wilson right now is the MVP of the league this year. Um, Looking at his regular season stats so far, 72% completion percentage, 1,700 yards, 14 touchdowns, zero picks, and 124.7 rating. Uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's I, – again, I think if if he's not the MVP, he's in the top three. I mean, if, if he's outside of anyone's top three on the MVP voting, uh, uh, I – I mean, I'd have some choice words for you, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's give a couple here, and let's just look at the Eagles-Vikings. We've been talking about Kirk Cousins all year. Uh, I feel like he might have finally got it turned around because 22 of 29 for 333 yards and four touchdowns, only one pick. Uh, Steph Diggs just came alive in this game, three touchdowns. Uh, Have they got it fixed there in Minnesota? Uh, I'm, I'm not a hundred, I'm not willing to say that it's a hundred percent fixed, but what I like to see is I talked about it last week. They stopped going vertical all the time. I mean, I feel like how they were trying to throw the ball early in the season is how the Browns have tried to throw the ball all season, um, by just going vertical every single play and trying to throw it downfield and force it downfield. And now they're taking the, the short routes and the intermediate routes and, and setting up the big plays. Uh, and you can see how effective that's been the last two games. Uh, Kirk Cousins has played great. I mean, he looks like Kirk Cousins, you know, a couple years ago when Kirk, when he was throwing, you know, really putting up pretty pretty great numbers, honestly, despite the wins and losses. He was putting up great numbers. Uh, and now he's gotten back to that, and the team's actually winning because, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook didn't really have that great of a game, honestly. They didn't run the ball well. Um, they needed to win the game passing the ball. Uh, and they show that they can do that. Um, if, if they play their type of game, if they don't try and become a vertical team every single time. Uh, so it was, you know, good for Kirk cousins, good for the Vikings. Uh, I mean, hopefully they can, they can keep playing like this and keep pace with the Packers. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's quickly cover the, uh, the most disappointing game of the week for me, chiefs and Texans. You heard me complaining about the refs in this game. Don't get this wrong for me. The referees are not why the chiefs lost this game. The Chiefs lost this game because they only had the ball for 20 minutes. The Texans had it for the other 40. So time of possession, completely just awful. The run defense has been as bad as, it, as it's been all year. And 
Uh, I kind of felt weird in our fantasy episode last week. I said Carlos Hyde be a top five back because the Chiefs allow 100 yards and a touchdown to everybody. They absolutely did again. Carlos Hyde, 116 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, the Chiefs running game couldn't get going, but I don't really, I'm not too concerned about the running game because they have a good running back. The problem is they're trying to get first downs and stay on the field, but they just can't because uh, the offensive line protection is not good. Mahomes got dinged up again. So I, I'm not too worried about the Chiefs' offensive side, but they've got to fix that run defense. The the Texans played a great game, um, I think, on both sides of the ball, honestly. Um, the, the offense did what they needed to do. They, Like you said, they kept the, the Chiefs' offense off the field. The best way to slow the Chiefs' offense down is to keep them off the field. Um, don't try and don't try and uh, beat them defensively. Honestly, you have to beat them offensively, which, you know, I know that sounds weird, but um, the best way to beat them is to just keep them off the field. Um, don't allow them to get going. And, and like you said, the run game, uh, they only had 11 rushing attempts in the entire game. Uh, Pat, you know, Mahomes threw it 35 times, but they only had 11 rushing attempts. Um, the, the Texans defense played great. The offense played great. They ran the ball. Well, uh, 192 yards rushing the ball. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Watson threw the ball. Well, um, I mean, he didn't, he didn't throw it tremendously well, but I mean, he threw for 280 yards, had a touchdown. He did throw two interceptions, but, um, he also ran for 42 yards and two touchdowns. Um, this is a game. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I did pick this game. I did pick the Texans to upset the chiefs because at this point it was a bad matchup for the chiefs because of the injuries. I know they got Tyree kill back, but, but, uh, you know, they still have, you know, they still have some pretty significant injuries out there, especially on the offensive line. Like you said, they're not Mahomes isn't getting the protection. He's getting dinged up. Uh, you know, so it, it, it was at this point in the scene, it was a bad matchup for the chiefs. Uh, and then it also, it doesn't help with, you know, the refs made some bad calls and stuff and there were just bad calls throughout the entire game for both teams. But, uh, I mean, it was a good win, a great win, honestly, for the, for the Texans. Absolutely. So the Chiefs are four and two heading into a Thursday night matchup with Denver. So they're still in good position, but they got to get the, the ship corrected here pretty quick. All right, let's take a look at a game that I know you're probably interested in Cardinals Falcons. Uh, I kind of mentioned that Dan Quinn could alleviate that hot seat a little bit by winning this game. And he did not do that. So Cardinals won 34, 33. What'd you think of this one? I mean, this is a this is another game. Actually, I predicted the Cardinals would win because Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson, similar quarterbacks, uh, style wise at least. Um, Deshaun Watson absolutely, you know, annihilated, destroyed the Falcons' defense, and 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 Kyler Murray didn't quite do what Deshaun Watson did to him, but I mean, he he had a great game. I thought he he looked unstoppable to me personally. Um, I don't think that they had a good answer for for Kyler Murray. Um, I thought the, the, uh, the Cardinals, I mean, they used David Johnson well out of the backfield. He had six catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. He's actually caught the ball extremely well this season. Um, and they ran for over a hundred yards in the game. So, um, you know, they were, they were able to control the clock. They were able to, to control field position. And, and again, Kyler Murray just Kyler Murray played a good game. Um, you know, we've talked about how he's put up some of the, some of those stats throughout the, throughout the early part of the year, but wasn't getting touchdowns. Now he's putting up the stats and getting touchdowns. He did. He had 340 yards. He had three touchdowns uh, throwing the ball. 
Uh, he also had 32 yards rushing the ball. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I think that the, to me, the Cardinals are really kind of getting going. They're finding their groove. They're starting to, to get these wins and build some momentum and, and, uh, you know, just get that confidence. So, uh, and the Falcons, again, they're just, you know, they're just kind of going down. I mean, it's, again, you have the defensive coach that can't coach a defense. Uh, Matt Ryan played, Matt Ryan played great. I mean, there's, there's no ifs, ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, the guy was 30 or 36, uh, 356 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Julio Jones had a, a great game. Um, they actually ran the ball better than they have. They actually, it seems like they actually put an effort into it. They ran it 25 times, which is amazing, honestly. Um, but again, it's, you know, they got a defensive specialist that, that coaches terrible defense. <laughs> Makes sense. So let's talk about a great defense here. 49ers versus the Rams. What the heck, man? 49ers, 6-0, and 5-0? and Is that what they are? 5-0. 5-0, so, yeah. They're five and zero, and their offense is known to do a whole lot. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for two forty three. Uh, they only averaged right around three yards a carry with their running backs, yet they still won twenty to seven over the NFC champion Rams. So, are the Forty ers defense for real? Uh, yeah, I mean they, yeah, I mean we saw what they did to the Browns. Uh, now we see what they do to the Rams. Back to back weeks. I mean they. Uh, I mean, they're scary good, honestly. Right now, to me, they look like they're the best defense in the NFL, uh, and I think that's by by a by a big margin, honestly. Um, I don't Absolutely. think anyone's even. I don't think anyone's close. They rush the passer well. They have great pass defense. They have good speed, uh, good run, run stopping. Uh, I mean, it's they look tremendous. They sure did. All right, let's move to a game I know is going to be a little uh, sour for you, but Jets, winless Jets, get Sam Darnold back and knock off the Cowboys 24-22. Another, uh, I guess you'd call it a sluggish start by the Cowboys. They've been bringing it back in a lot of these losses that they've got in the fourth quarter, but they're just falling short. This one, uh, two-point conversion fell short at the end. So what would you think of this? What's going on with the Cowboys right now? Uh it's I don't know. It's weird because the the offense played well. Um, the defense didn't play. I mean, they didn't play bad, but they didn't play great. Um, I mean, I think they had an average defensive game, honestly. Um, but I I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the sluggish starts. It's almost to to me what it looks like is like the the last during this losing streak they're on i almost feel like jason garrett tells kellen moore to call the first half of games like scott linehan would (laughs) and when they fall way behind like they would with scott linehan because he was so conservative and so predictable um you know they had to make these big comebacks you know uh and they would open up they'd have to open up the offense in the second half and that's kind of what's happening now is they're super predictable on offense in the first half and and they don't really get anything going and then the second half it's almost like jason garrett takes the reins off of kellen moore and actually lets him you know call the game and and you know open up the offense a little bit and all of a sudden the offense gets going again um i i i don't i like i said i don't really know how I don't know really what to say because again, the defense hasn't been playing horribly. You know, when they lost to the saints a few weeks ago, the defense played a good game. Uh, the offense just played bad, uh, last week against the Packers. I mean, the defense, again, they didn't play a bad game. They didn't play a great game though. Uh, the offense played okay. They had, 
Dak had the, the turnovers against the Packers, but we discussed those on last week. Uh, last week's show, two of them I don't really think were his fault. Uh, and then this week, the offense, again, the offense played pretty well, and the defense played okay, and and they still lost. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's frustrating because there isn't one thing that you can point to that's, you know, that, that you can say is costing them the games. I mean, you, you know, at least with the chiefs losing, you can say, Hey, it's because they're banged up and the run defense is garbage. The Cowboys, they don't really have that. They, they're, they're not banged up. Uh, I mean, they have a couple injuries. Uh, Smith has been out at left tackle, but it, I mean, that's not why they're losing. Um, the defense hasn't played great, but again, it hasn't played bad. It's played it's played good enough to win the games, and they just haven't won. So that's the most frustrating part, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a 21-6 halftime deficit for the Cowboys, and you know, then they come back and it's a 16 to three second half. So uh, they just need to. I think if they figure out how to get the game rolling earlier, uh, they can they can win a lot of games going down the road. The hard part is how do you do that? Because you look at Ezekiel Elliott, he had 28 carries in the game, so it's not like they're not getting the running game going. Uh, Dak Prescott threw completed 28 passes for 277 yards, so they're nice and balanced. You got 28 carries, 28 pass or pass completions. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but they got to get it figured out here pretty quick. And like I said, that's as a Cowboys fan, that's the most frustrating thing is you can't all these other teams that are struggling. You can pinpoint exactly what the issue is and the Cowboys. You can't do that. And, and so I don't really know what they could do. Uh, I mean, outside of just improving play overall, I don't really know what they can do because they're not doing anything to lose the games. They're just not doing it, you know, enough to win. Um, they're right there. They're not being, you know, the Packers game they got blown out in, uh, or, you know, they were getting blown out. They did have a good comeback, but I mean, they, they still, I mean, that game was never really in question, honestly. Um, but I mean, they're just, they're just not doing enough to win. And so that, again, that's the most frustrating part for me as a Cowboys fan, but oh, well. Yeah, and they, they've got some tough games going down the stretch against the Eagles, Vikings, Lions. They got to play the Patriots. Uh, the Bills should put up a fight. The Bears defense, the Rams. So it, they got to get this thing turned around pretty quick. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about hot seats, do you think Jason Garrett's on it? I, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I was even, uh, uh, you know, I was watching the game. Uh, I was watching the game on Sunday or uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, e- early evening parts. And I, I mean, I even made a comment that, I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Garrett was fired on Monday morning after losing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and uh, to me, honestly, it, it would not have surprised me at all if, if they would have fired him and promoted uh, Rod Marinelli, the defensive coordinator as, as interim head coach, or even Chris Richard, um, who basically runs the defense um, as the interim head coach. Like that would not have surprised me at, at, at all. Um and honestly, if they lose to the to the Eagles, I would be shocked if Jason Garrett had a job um, this time next week. Yeah, and it's you know it's we we talked about the narrative that the media is using earlier, where you know they played bad teams and won, they played good teams and lost, but now they've played bad teams and lost. So it, it really does. And like you said, when you can't pinpoint anything on why the team's losing, it's going to fall on the head coach every time. Yeah, for for sure. And 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 I'm not a lot of people dislike Jason Garrett. I think he's a good head coach. I just kind of think he's lost the team. 
Um, I don't, I think there needs to be an infusion of, of energy. Honestly, I think is, is really what it is. I think Jason Garrett, I think he's, he's a fine head coach. He's got a winning record. Um, I know he, you know, everyone jokes around that he's, you know, the 500 coach, but, uh, you know, Cleveland Browns fans would have loved that with Hugh Jackson. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with being a 500 coach, you know, having some 500 seasons and then having a few great seasons here and there. That's a lot better than most coaches do. Um, so I think he's a good head coach. I just think they need an infusion of energy. And, and, uh, like I said, if they lose to the Eagles, I would be shocked if, if Jason Garrett's still the head coach. And I will say on the point you've made of losing the team, I did see a, you know, it's kind of a, people are making fun of it, but it was not a good look for Jason Garrett. Uh, they're down big. They score a touchdown. The players running off. He's trying to high five them and they just like run by him and completely ignore him. And he yeah, just, that, like, put, and he just sadly like puts his headset back on and get like, they, they aren't, they know what the problem is really. And, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, like I said, I, I think it's just, they need an infusion of energy. I think they need fresh blood, new blood in there. And, uh, I mean, hopefully they can get it turned around before it has to hit that point mid-season. Um, I'd like to see that happen in the off-season, but um, I mean, we'll we'll see. Absolutely. So another one I want to talk about, we're talking about hot seats. Um, we talked about the Chargers not being a great regular, early season team, but this one's completely inexcusable to me. Devlin Hodges, the the no-name quarterback, third string for the Steelers, technically fourth because they had Josh Dobbs. They had Ben Roethlisberger. They traded Dobbs before Roethlisberger got hurt. Then they had Mason Rudolph. This is their fourth guy. He was a camp arm, comes in and beats the Chargers um, 24-17 on I, – I can't even believe – and I, you know, I can't say it makes me angry to be right about this because I hate the Chargers more than any other team. But this is sad, right? I mean, to to be this bad this early in the season is just crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, we we like you said, we've discussed that they're a, they're a slow starting team, but this one, this one is unexcusable. I mean, uh, it, yeah, I, I I really I don't really know what to say on it honestly because it, it's just a bad loss. It, I mean, no way you break it down. Is it did they did anything go well for them? Um, I mean, Philip Rivers did have a solid game. Uh, it was nice to see Hunter Henry come back. I mean, he had a hundred yard game and two touchdowns, but. Uh, at, at the end of the day, it's like you, you just lost to a fourth string, you know, camp arm quarterback, uh, which I mean is inexcusable. And not right. only that, but this, if you're reading the Steelers stat sheet, like I am right now, it looks like a preseason game. Their, their best running back was Benny Snell Jr. Who no one's ever heard of Averaged 4.4 yards a carry. It had 17 carries for 75 yards against the chargers. Um, a wide receiver, Deontay Johnson, had a couple big catches. I mean, th- this team is banged up, and they have a lot of, of reserves playing, and then they come out there and just beat the Chargers. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and on Benny Snell, I've heard of him because he was on my college fantasy team last year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, James Conner, uh, he did uh, he did score two touchdowns. But, yeah, Benny Snell really led the way there. And like you said uh, – Hodges, I mean, Hodges didn't have a great game. I mean, um, he just didn't lose the game for him. I mean, he kind of had that, uh, for any football fan that's old enough to remember, he had that Trent Dilfer-style game. Um, He just, you know, he didn't win it, but he didn't lose it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just – it. 
uh, it's incredible that the that the Chargers managed to lose this game. Absolutely. So let's move on to the Monday night game. Um, we've already talked in detail about this, so we'll kind of try to go through this quickly. But the Packers get the win over the Lions, 23-22. Um, the Lions, man, you, you got to feel bad for them because they're having a great season, but they're sitting at 2-2-1 two, two and one because of this. Um, and then their other loss was to the Chiefs, a really good team. So their own, their two losses come to two really good teams, and and the way that they lost with the referees being so bad, this is a heartbreaker for them. Yeah, I mean it's they they should have won the game. Um, I mean, unless you're a Packers fan, and even if you are a Packers fan, uh, the the Lions should have won this game. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The, I mean, the the refs cost them the game 100. percent Um. People will say that the the Lions' offense kind of collapsed at the end and and cost them the game at the end, but um, I mean, at the end of the day, the those those phantom penalties are what cost the Lions this game. Absolutely. All right, so that wraps up our recap for the week. Let's get to our picks. Um, we're going to kind of rapid fire through these since we're running a little bit long with the officials, but let's start on Thursday night with the Chiefs Broncos. Who do you got? I'm going Chiefs. The Broncos defense is playing a lot better. The Broncos as a team are playing a lot better. Uh, two straight wins uh, looked real good against the Titans, but uh, I think the Chiefs are going to come out firing on all cylinders. I think they're going to win and they're going to win big. Yeah, I'm going Chiefs. They, they've they got, uh, I think, six or seven straight wins against the Broncos. Um, last year was on prime time and they beat the Broncos and, and, and arguably the Broncos last year were better than this year. So um, I'm going Chiefs on this one. All right, then on Sunday we got Raiders Packers. Who you got? Uh, I'm I'm going Packers. I mean, I do like what the Raiders are doing, but the Packers defense. I mean, we're you know we do talk about the the refs gifted them that game on Monday night, but the Packers are still a good team. They run the ball really well. They've been throwing the ball well even without their top two receivers. Um, so I, I'm still going to Packers. Yeah, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers over Derek Carr any day. So uh, plus Aaron Jones in the run game doing really good. So I'm going Packers as well. Um, in a game of two underperforming NFC teams, we've got the champion Rams going against the Falcons. Who do you got in this one? Um, I, I don't have fantasy running backs from either team. That's who. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going the Rams in this. I, I do think Jalen Ramsey's going to, you know, I keep talking about, you know, infusing that energy, but uh, I think Jalen Ramsey's going to give the Rams a bit of a spark on defense. Uh, and the Falcons, I mean, they're just they're just not a good team defensively, and I think the Rams are going to put up huge offensive numbers against them. I'm actually going to take the Falcons in this one. I, I I feel like, like you said, Matt Ryan's been playing really well. This Rams defense has been, even with Jalen Ramsey, I, like I, we talked earlier, I don't think they're he's the biggest upgrade over Marcus Cooper. I think a lot of problems lying with Jared Goff and the offense not scoring a lot of points. Uh, Falcons have a bad defense, so I'm going to take the Falcons in a close one with a rebound. Bold move. It is bold. All right. This one's not so bold. 49ers, Redskins. Who do you got? I'm going Redskins. I love Case Keenum. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Said no uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going 49ers. I mean, the defense, like I said, I think they have the best defense in football. Um, the offense is still questionable, but they're not going to have to do a lot. I mean, if they, to me, if they score 14 points against the Redskins, they're going to win this game. Uh, that's just how it is. I'm not even sure that the 49ers need to bring their offense with them. I think their defense could probably win this game by themselves. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking the 49ers as well. 
Uh, nice AFC West, or sorry, AFC South showdown. Texans, Colts. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going Texans. Uh, I think they're starting to click. They're hitting a stride. They've had two big wins uh, back to back. The offense looks unstoppable at the moment. Uh, the defense, uh, I mean, they again, they just played a great game against, to me, the best offense in football. Uh, I'm, I'm going Texans. Can I go for both teams to lose? If you think about it, both these teams are coming off of wins against the Chiefs. <laughs> no, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna you take go the for Texans. a tie. Yeah, tie. I'm gonna go Texans. Uh Colts are coming off a bye week, but I really like Deshaun Watson. I think uh he's one of those when you're talking about young, dynamic, exciting players like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson's right up there with all of them. So I'm gonna take the Texans in this one. All right, NFC North showdown, Vikings, Lions. Who do you got? I'm going Vikings. Um, I, I love what the Lions are doing. I think the Lions have played phenomenal this year. Um, but the Vikings have something going right now. Their defense, again, the defense, they look like a top two or three defense in the league. And now that they have what appears to be a passing game finally, uh, I, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat the Vikings now. So I'm, I'm going Vikings. Yeah, my heart wants to pick the Lions, but my brain's telling me to pick the Vikings. Uh, so I'm going to go with my brain yeah sure i'm gonna take the vikings in this one uh, i i really you know I, I don't know if it's years of empathy for how bad the lions have been but i really like this lions team right now and especially the way they lost this week and their only other loss coming against the chiefs and that one wasn't that much of a loss i mean they they took it to the chiefs too so I think it's going to be a really good game but yeah i think now that kirk cousins is on the same page as wide receivers the, the vikings defense is as good as any in the league. So I'm going to take the Vikings. All right. Jags, Bengals, uh, two kind of underperforming teams. You said you didn't think the Bengals are as bad as their record shows. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to go Jaguars. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I, I, again, I like how, you know, you look at Andy Dalton's kind of playing like a Kyler Murray, um, he's actually putting up good numbers, just not really getting touchdowns. He's only got seven touchdowns on the season. Um, but he has thrown for almost 1700 yards. Um, but I think the Jaguars are just a little more balanced. Um, Leonard Fournette's been running the ball really well lately. Uh, Minshew's still been passing the ball fairly well. Shark's been playing well. Uh, I, I think just a more balanced team from the Jaguars. Uh, it's going to be a close game, but I think the Jaguars will, will, uh, squeak one out. I'm with you on this one. I'm going with the mustache superhero Gardner Minshew. Um, he hasn't had a lot of, uh, you know, he's had a couple of rough weeks, but this is the best chance he's going to get to put up some big stats. So, yeah, for sure. and I'm hoping, I'm hoping for my fantasy team's sake that he finds DJ Chark early and often. Yeah, for for sure. <laughs> All right, we got Cardinals Giants. Uh, this is going to be kind of an interesting game. The Giants got, you know, shellacked by the Patriots. Cardinals pull out the win over the Falcons. Who do you got in this one? I'm going the Cardinals. I, I mentioned it earlier. I, I think they, they've got that confidence. They've got those wins under their belt. Uh, Kyler Murray is playing great. Uh, I, I, I'm going Cardinals. I'm actually going to take the Giants here, and my pick is being based on, I don't know. Have we heard, is Saquon Barkley playing this week? Uh, I think it's likely because likely. he – 
Yeah, he almost played against the Patriots. Now he's yeah, getting a yeah. week and a half. So, yep. So I think Barkley comes back. I think Evan Ingram's supposed to come back. So he's getting a couple of his weapons back. He had good Daniel Jones connected with Golden Tate really well this week. So I think with those two guys coming back, the Giants have enough offensive firepower to beat the Cardinals. So I'm going Giants. Well, uh, entitled to bad opinions. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I've been told. Yeah. All right. We got Dolphins and Bills. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going Fitz magic on the, uh, no, I'm, I'm going the bills. I mean, the, the bills defense is going to, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the bills defense is going to smash the the dolphins offense into the ground. Um, I, like you said, you don't think the 49ers offense needs to show up. I don't think the bills offense needs to show up the, the 49ers or the, uh, the bills defense is just going to humiliate the dolphins offense, I believe. Yeah. And kind of like the Patriots of this year, the bills, defense can win games in spite of the offense sometimes. I mean, Josh Allen can throw two, three picks. They can still win. Um, and obviously going against the worst team in the league, I think the Bills keep that trend going and get the win. Uh, For sure. This one will be interesting. We got Ryan Tannehill and the Titans going against the Chargers. Who do you got? Do I have to choose one? You just keep, <laughs> pick, you just keep picking those Chargers and let them lose. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, the Titans on this one, honestly. Uh, I I've mentioned several times. I think, uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to give the offense a bit of a spark. He's more of a traditional pocket passer. Uh, they'll be able to set up the play action a little better with him, I believe. Uh, and, and people forget he Tannehill was a good quarterback when he was healthy in Miami. He just was never healthy. So, um, as long as he doesn't get knocked out of the game, I, I think the Titans have a, uh, above average shot of winning this. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm in a good situation here mentally, because, you know, if I pick the chargers, one of these weeks, they're going to bounce back because they always do. Right. And if they keep losing, I'm okay with that too. Cause it's the chargers. So I'm going to go with the chargers in this one. Only because I I like uh, Philip Rivers a little bit more than Tannehill at this point, and Tannehill doesn't have a lot of reps with the starters, so I'm gonna go Chargers, and it, it's one of those must-win games really for the Chargers. If they're gonna turn their season around. This needs to be when it happens. I I agree. All right, this one should be a great matchup. This is probably the game I'm looking forward to most outside of Thursday night. And that's the Seahawks and Ravens. Russell Wilson playing like an MVP. Lamar Jackson playing excellent football. This should be a great one. Uh, I'm on, on this one. I'm going the Ravens. Uh, I like the addition of Marcus Peters. Uh, I think Earl Thomas is going to be motivated to uh, to uh, to really stick it to the Seahawks. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson has another big game. I think they get Mark Ingram going. Uh, I, I think the Ravens win this. Typically, I would say that the revenge games don't work out, but I did see Justin Houston beat the Chiefs, and then I saw Carlos Hyde beat the Chiefs. So what the hell do I know? Um, but I'm actually going to take Seahawks in this. I, I've got my MVP candidate, Russell Wilson, up there. I think uh, you know, 17 touchdowns, no picks. And I think Lamar Jackson getting back to his running back ways. I think in this duel, I like Russell Wilson better. So I'm going to go Seahawks in a close one. All right, we got a good defensive battle on Sunday too. Saints visit the Bears. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm 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 going the Saints right now. I mean the 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 defense is playing lights out and the offense is doing enough to win the game. Uh, the Bears, I mean, obviously their defense you know has been playing really well this season, but uh, as we saw in their last game, uh, the, I mean the offense cost them the game. So um, 
I mean, it. I I got to go. Uh, uh, I got to go Saints on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Saints on this one, and even though I think Chase Daniel might be my favorite player ever, and the reason for that being. He's keeps getting paid like a fringe starter, never actually having to do anything. Um, when he does have to get forced into action, he's bad, and people are just like, "Well, he's the backup," and they just let him keep being that backup. But he's one of the higher paid backups in the league, so uh, obviously, I'm impressed by his his uh, his cunningness to be able to get that kind of money. But no, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, it's just a feel good story. And and even though this Bears defense is really great, I just don't like uh, Chase Daniel, and I. I don't think Trubisky's playing, is he? Uh, I don't know. I don't believe so. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going Saints for sure. All right. Sunday night football. The Cowboys have a chance to correct this thing against the Eagles. Do you think they got it? Uh, I'm going Cowboys in this one because I'm always going to pick the Cowboys because that's what a real fan does. Uh, plus, it's the Eagles and, and Doug Peterson, I believe, kind of jinxed them by guaranteeing that win. I think, like I said, the Cowboys aren't doing anything you know, really blatant that's causing him to lose the games. Whereas the, the, the Eagles, I don't think their defense has played very well this year. Their offense, I think has been average at best. Honestly, um, I think it's a good matchup for the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys win it. Yeah. I'm going to go Eagles in this one. Uh, only because I feel like with, if the Cowboys got to another slow start, which we, we already discussed, I have no idea why they're going off to slow starts, but if they do, I think Carson Wentz kind of makes them pay. Uh, I am rooting for the Cowboys. I, I don't like Jason Garrett. I'll be honest with you there. I, I think the team would be better off with a different head coach, but um, they have the talent to, to really compete with anyone in the league. And, and we've talked about even in the preseason, I had the Cowboys in my top five defense. Um, and I still think they have that that talent there. They just got to put it together. But um, I think coming off that really demoralizing loss to the Jets, I think the Eagles have the slight upper hand in this one. Don't kill uh, me. Could, as I say, be honest. Is this because I picked the Texans last week over the Chiefs? <sighs> I don't hold grudges, but Damn. I'm never picking the Cowboys again. They're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, the Monday Night Football, we got another barn burner, Patriots and Jets. The Patriots continue their way through the easiest schedule in the NFL. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going upset. I'm going Jets on this one. Uh, I mean, the Jets should. Are you serious about this one? Yeah, I'm going Jets. I'm going Jets. Okay, Uh, all right. Yeah, I'm yeah, it's not a joke on this one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think I think for me, this is this is personally. Uh, I believe I, the Jets showed what their offense is capable of with Sam Darnold running it. Uh, they're a lot more efficient. They have the big play offense. They had the 92 yard touchdown to Anderson and, uh, against the Cowboys. Um, uh, Darnold again, he was efficient throwing the ball. Uh, they didn't run the ball well, but um, I believe now that that they've kind of shown teams that Darnold can throw the ball. I think uh, teams won't be able to stack the box to shut down Le'Veon Bell, which will obviously opening up open up some running lanes uh and uh the defense uh i believe should be getting cj mosley back which when you add a you know a a pro bowl caliber linebacker back to your defense it's obviously going to help out a lot um so i I, i'm going jets in a huge upset honestly the the patriots i think have to lose at some point so yeah this really pains me to say but i actually think that the jets with sam darnold are the best team the patriots have faced yet this year um, really, the only close game they had was the Bills game. 
And uh, I, I think that the Patriots are going to win, but I think it's going to be really close. And I think it's going to open some people's eyes. Everyone thinks that the Patriots are steamrolling everybody, but listen to who they've played. The Steelers, who are really bad. The Dolphins, who are the worst team in the league. The Jets with Luke Falk, which if it tells you anything about how they felt about Luke Falk, as soon as Sam Darnold came back, they cut him. He's not even their backup now. He's not even on the team. Um, the Bills, in which in the game that Josh Allen got knocked out of the game, and then they played the Redskins. And then they played the Giants. So they've played literally nobody this year. Um, I think Sam Darnold puts up a fight and kind of opens people's eyes to to realize that maybe this Patriots defense isn't as good as everyone thinks they are. So uh, I do think that they win, but it's going to be close, like a three-point game. All right, that wraps up our picks for this week. Uh, be sure to tune in to the fantasy episode. And if you like college football, listen to the college football episode. Uh, Mike, what can they expect in those? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just we'll be going over our our, uh, our fantasy deep dive in the the fantasy episode. Who to start? Who to sit? Uh, some sleepers to look out for, especially now that we're really getting into the to the meat of the buy schedules right now. Uh, college football will be we'll be talking about some of those big upsets. Uh, talking about the Georgia game. Uh, uh, talking about the the big win by LSU. Uh, and then just kind of moving forward, the OU game, uh, OU's win over Texas. Uh, so, and then we'll be, we'll be, uh, just kind of laying out there our predictions for the playoffs, um, you know, kind of where that playoff pitcher is, is going after this past week. So, uh, a lot to cover in those episodes. We'll also be discussing the curse of being a gridiron authority podcast member and your team's playing in the college and pro seasons. <laughs> Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, both o, we're both zero and two this week, and uh, Chiefs lost, Cowboys lost, Texas loses, and Nebraska loses. So, yeah, it's going to be a somber episode. But stay tuned. Yeah, but but one of us was undefeated in fantasy football, and one of us wasn't. So that was something. And one of us lost to our wives. I mean, uh, so and that one will start crying any minute now. So. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sign off now. (laughs) All right. Stay tuned next episode, guys.